You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm going to skip church. Y'all, I, I feel like we've already covered what we talked about last week. Y'all feel like we've already covered that? You feel good with that? You feel like we can dig our heels in, listen to what the Lord has said, and recognize that if you feel like you're fighting, this is the last thing I'll say about last week and what the Lord has us in when He says, dig your heels in. If you feel like you're having to fight to take ground, continue to fight to take ground. You're not in the wrong place. You're doing exactly what the Lord has asked you to do. And it's not a fight. He is trying to make us feel like there's some internal struggle. There's no internal struggle. Just move past it. Say yes and keep moving. Step further into obedience. Ignore the turmoil that he's trying to plant in you because it's not from God and you are not outside the will of God. I feel like this is the biggest lie that he's trying to plant in his people right now in Sundown, Texas, is that you are outside my will. And that is not from the Lord. That's from the enemy. You are right where you are supposed to be. Continue to press into what the Lord has laid before you. Amen? Amen. Okay. So today... um, Church, you know um, that our that we've been we've had a Wednesday night series. And it was just it was the Lord pressed this upon my heart to jump into a series, discovering and and learning about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and because what what He told me in this time, when just trying to understand, okay, what's what's the point of this is. Um, what was his specific reason for it? He just said very clearly that I want you to know what they are, that you can steward them when I release them to you, but know what they are correctly. And what I realized is in, as I've studied this and prepared these lessons is so much of what I thought I knew about the gifts of the spirit were just things that I had learned from people that didn't know what the gifts of the spirit were. Preachings in churches, about these things, and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I read scripture, I'm like, that was wrong. And I've believed this about this gift wrongly for a long, long time. And so no wonder we have not seen them manifested in the church today because we don't understand what they actually are and how they actually function. And because of that, we don't see how the Lord is seeking to use them within his heart. We only see how we desire to use them with our own. Does that make sense? Through my eyes, what the gift of healing should look like. Through my eyes, what the gift of knowledge should look like. But it's not my eyes. My eyes are dead in the grave. He has has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, So we've been in this series to learn learn about these gifts that we could steward them as he releases them. And and one of the questions I've had to ask um, is, is... it's just why. why. Why have we misunderstood these gifts for so long? Okay, I'm learning this and I'm reading this stuff and I'm telling you I'm learning it for the first time. And I'm, I'm, I, the Lord just gave me this discernment early. Like I need to be two weeks ahead of the lessons. And I was like, all right, he just wants me to be super prepared. No, it's I need two weeks to just learn one of these gifts before I will even come close to being able to start teaching one. We're in the gifts of healing right now. Do you know that in 1 Corinthians, they're not called, it's not called the gift of healing? It's called the gifts of healing. And then the gift of miracles. How many of us have always just lumped those as one thing? 
Raise your hands. I know all of you have done it because I did it. We all did it. We're in this together. Don't you act like you're like, no, I knew where they were the whole time. Don't you do it. But church, why have we misunderstood these for so long? Well, what are they called? They're called the gifts of the what? They're called the gifts of the Spirit. So can you understand the gifts of the Spirit without Him? No, because they're not called the gifts of Parker. They're the gifts of Parker. They would be founded and rooted within me, and I wouldn't need any outside understanding because they're created and they originate within me. But they don't originate within us, do they? They originate within Him. The gifts of the Spirit. The only one who knows the Father's heart, the Spirit of God, is the only one that can educate us and teach us these things. 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 6 says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had... For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Who in here are those who love him? All of us. What He has prepared what no eye has seen for you, what no ear has heard for you, nor what any heart of man can imagine. He has prepared for you. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. He, the Spirit, has understanding and reveals it to us. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Those that receive the Holy Spirit, He dwells in them. He, your body is His temple, His place where He rests, His place where He is stored up, where He lives, where He dwells. He dwells within you, and He is meant to be there to teach us all things, including the gifts of the Spirit. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So church, what happens when we remove the helper from the church? What happens when we remove the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who is, the one who is, there is not anybody else in scripture that is meant to lead us into truth, but the Holy Spirit. So how can you discover truth without him? It's real simple. The math is not tricky. If you dismiss the Holy Spirit, what have you also dismissed? Your ability to discover truth. You cannot find truth without the Spirit of God. And you cannot operate in the giftings of the Spirit without the Spirit of God. But we for too long have been doing church without Him. The one sent to teach us, guide us, and empower us with identity, we've dismissed Him. And so what ends up happening, church, when the church as a whole, because we've done this as a whole, dismiss the Holy Spirit. I went to one church in my life where the Holy Spirit was completely and totally received. Right here. I was 25. 
and I had grown up in church. I've said this before, when I met the Holy Spirit in college, I went back and I was worshiping and I was raising my hands and the pastor called me out. 3,000 people in this service. And he came to me, said, what's wrong with you? What? Well, something's going on. That worship kind of got all over you. You lifted your hands. What? David danced naked. I feel like I'm doing pretty, I'm pretty mild, right? A little hand raising. I kept all my britches on. But that's what it was because they can't understand, they can't fathom worship with the Holy Spirit if you dismiss the Holy Spirit. And is there worship without Him? No. Jay, you're the expert. Is there worship without the Holy Spirit? You've heard it from the expert, okay? That's fact. But so what ends up happening when we dismiss the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the one that's meant to lead us into all truth? We form theology internally. We form theology internally. And rather, rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us, we form it within ourselves. And I say in here, and I believe this completely, I say this all the time, but Jesus is perfect theology. And I don't believe that, I, I, I believe I could go to any church in the country and say Jesus is perfect theology and everyone would agree. I don't think there would be anyone that disagrees with that. But what happens when we dismiss the Holy Spirit from our life? Jesus starts to look really different. Jesus looks so different than the truth of what he was meant to look like in this word. He doesn't look like someone showing us what he is about to make available to us. He was given the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Reconciling the world back to God himself. That was his job. But when, when you dismiss the Holy Spirit, what Jesus begins to look like is he begins to look unattainable. That the things that existed in his life were for Jesus and Jesus alone and not for me. I can't, I can't get there. Jesus was fully God. Yes? yes? But he was also fully man. To reveal to us when he defeated the grave and he rose on that third day, now what is possible for you? Right? But when we form this theology internally, Jesus becomes just a ticket to heaven. But when the whole, if you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the full function of Jesus and what he did on that day of glory, when he rose and defeated the grave and, and went to the Father and, and sent the Holy Spirit to us, what he did was he allowed us access to heaven here and now. That we could restore that which was lost at the beginning when we chose sin over the presence of God. The wages of that sin are now no longer hanging over my head and I can, I can have full and complete access to him and not just access to him, but I can introduce him to the world around me. I can steward him. I can establish his presence in the places that I go. This is the function Jesus Christ absolutely is the greatest of all of us. But what did he make us when he defeated the grave? What is your name? What is your title? You are a co-heir with Christ. Co-heir. What does it mean to be a co-heir? You sit with him in that seat of authority. Next to him. 
You get to sit with him. You get to stand in that place next to Jesus, fully righteous, fully restored because of his sacrifice. Romans 8, 12 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not of the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, church, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The Spirit, church, the Holy Spirit speaks of your identity, testifies before the Lord in the throne room of grace, testifies to who you are. But can you discover who you are if you've dismissed him, the one who testifies for you? No, you will never know. What what do we see right now? We see generations lost because they have no idea who they are. No idea who they are or what they're meant for. And so they are seeking and stabbing in the dark, trying to desperately cling to anything that is solid and not shaking and unwavering. And that is the the only one that is that is the Holy Spirit. But when they look to the one place they're meant to see the Holy Spirit, they won't find him because he's been kicked out long before they arrived. We, the people of Christ, the body of Christ, Christians have dismissed him from these gathering places. And because we've done that, we've began to form theology within ourselves. And that theology, you may be creative, you may be artistic, but whatever you form in yourself about God will always fall short. It will never come close. And it will always put a foul taste in someone's mouth. It will always cause offense. It will always cause division. Because that is all we are capable of doing without Him. We caused division in the garden. We divided it. That is the fruit of our nature without Jesus is division. Because without him, who do we belong to? The author of fear, doubt, and division. That is, who you, that is the camp that you belong to when you dismiss the Holy Spirit. You are a son, you are a daughter, you are a co-heir, but you must have the Holy Spirit, church. We are made for him. But the point of today, when we dismiss him and then seek to understand this book and its teachings, understand the gifts of the spirit, understand all these things. What we begin to do is we begin to form theology around what did not happen instead of forming theology around what did. Because we've misunderstood. If I misunderstand and we are in it right now, you want to learn about healing? Go listen to the first one. We're going to be in healing for a little while talking about that on Wednesday nights because it's big. And it has got to be one of the most profoundly misunderstood things in the church right now. It's profound. But when we pray for healing, and it doesn't happen instantaneously in that moment, what do we think? We step back. We start stepping back. It didn't work. Must be something going on with them or something going on with me. And now what do you have? You have turmoil. Because you don't know who's in the wrong. 
Because the Lord would have answered it if we were in the place we were supposed to be, if we were operating with him, if we were doing what What have I just started doing? I've just started forming theology within myself. You know what? I bet a lot of people are doing this, so I'm going to write a book about it. And now we have thousands and thousands of thousands of books on theologies in the gifts and about what this word says, all of it written without the Holy Spirit, all of it formed internally. Not reflecting the heart of God at all. We have missed the mark because of one simple mistake. Dismissing the Holy Spirit. We begin to form theology around what didn't happen instead of what did. And so in this study, as we've been talking about the gifts, and I've been, I've been uh, finding theologians that um, it just seems, you know, because I'm reading their, their stuff and their review and their take on different things, and I, I'm desperately searching for people that, okay, they, this one seems to have a grasp on the Holy Spirit in their life. And so I'll study these things in every single one of the gifts that I've studied. Every single thing, every single time they have to address a group of people that believe that that gift served a purpose in that time and it no longer exists today. Right? I grew up with this understanding. I grew up being taught that the Lord does not speak anymore. The next time you hear his voice is when you hear trumpets coming to take you home. That's what I grew up hearing. And so you're just always praying to a God that will never respond to you. So I got to college. You know what I thought? Forget that. That's dumb. If it doesn't matter, then nothing matters. I can do whatever I want. I'm saved, so I'm going to heaven. He's not going to talk to me anyway, so I don't need to have a relationship with him. Who wants to have a relationship with someone that won't ever talk to him back? No one. You want to know why... But my, my generation left the church in such massive, this massive exodus from the church because we saw no point in it. What's the point of having a relationship with a God that is basically dead? He doesn't speak. He doesn't interact. He's given me this. That's all it is. And it, I, was, I was taught that this is a book of instruction, not a book of identity. And so that I'm already starting in the negative because this is not a book of, this is not a how-to-do guide of living here on earth. This is a book of identity. This is to tell you who you are so that you can step into purpose. You can step into works. You can step into action once you know who you are. But so we have this belief that exists massively. Like I said, I grew up being taught this, that the Lord stopped speaking and performing miracles at the end of the book of Acts, that that's when it ended. He had nothing else to show. You've been shown everything you need to see. Now go on your way and sin no more. You're not going to see any cool stuff, but you just better be best behaved. Or, or I'm, I don't even know. Just behave. Or something bad is going to have locusts going to show up in your sandwich. I don't know. But just all bets are off because we're just making this up as we go. Because we've dismissed the teacher. Someone without the Holy Spirit forming theology. That's who I was. That's what I grew up in. So we grow up with the skepticism towards the gifts. Because when we see someone, right? And I saw this. Multiple times I saw this. People that operated in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew they were different. And they could tell me things about myself that didn't make sense. 
And they, when I had an issue, they stopped and they prayed for me. And they didn't pray that I would get through it. They prayed that the Lord would reveal profound and amazing truth, that the Lord would heal, that the Lord would perform a miracle in my story. I'm like, whoa. What witch's brew are you, are you brewing up, man? What are you smoking? What are you doing? You must, you must be some kind of crazy hippie person who lives in a van. But that's what we did. And I would see time and time again in the church that I grew up in, these people chased out because they were crazy. They were insane. They're, they were false prophets spewing demonic doctrine. People that operated with the Holy Spirit. And so then what forms in me when someone talks about the gift of tongues? Every one of us in here, don't deny, it's okay. Because I'm right there with you. I get nervous around talking about some of these gifts, right? Like the, the gift of tongues. I'm not just going to ask the Lord to release that, right? Because I'm kind of like, that's intense. I don't fully understand that. And uh, it's been taught to me my entire life that that's just a crazy person yelling baby gibberish. And that's what it is. And that's what we've talked about. And that's how we've, that's how we've taught the gifts because the theology was formed within a man, not within the heart of God. And it doesn't reflect Jesus. It does not reflect Jesus, but we have entire churches, we have doctrine, we have, we have study Bibles dedicated to theology formed within us and not formed within Him, not shown by Him. My belief system has been built around me and my abilities without the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when your theology is formed internally, then all of a sudden the progress of the kingdom hinges on what you can and cannot do. And now, go do ministry. And so what does that end up being? Activities around the things that I'm naturally good at. And that's all it is. That's all church becomes, just activity after activity after activity because my belief system is built around me and my abilities without the Holy Spirit. And guess what ends up happening? Not much. Because I will fall short every single time of displaying the true nature of Jesus if I have dismissed the Holy Spirit from my story. And I will not ever have successful ministry. I'll just have busy ministry. I'll have an active, activity-based ministry. But church, and this is, this is the most profound thing to me, Jesus defines ministry. Go ahead and turn to John 5. If you have a Bible, I just want you to be there real quick. And we're, we're gonna read this and then I'm gonna tell you how Jesus defines ministry. But John 5, 19 through 20 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son, capital S, the Son of God can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He, is, all that he Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. Church, Jesus defines ministry by all that we cannot do. Do you recognize that? Did you catch that? Jesus defines ministry for himself, the first of us, by what he can't do. The son does what of his own accord? Nothing. Nothing. 
only what he sees the Father doing. He recognized something and he put it perfectly on display and we've missed it for too long. But ministry and the establishment of the kingdom and and operating in the gifts, all of these things, your ministry and your own life, my ministry as a head pastor of this church, Melissa's ministry, Jay's ministry, is all about what we cannot do. Not what we can Jay is not here because he plays the piano. I'm not here because I can talk into a microphone. That is not why we're here. We are here because of all that I cannot do. We just happen to be willing to let the Lord do it. Sometimes, not all the time. I'm not always great at it. I get my hands on it. And I get in the way. But Jesus defines ministry by what we can't do. We can't do the impossible, church. We can't do it. Right now, someone battling cancer, you go over and you lay hands on them and you, you make that cancer go away. Danny, you go do it. By the power of Danny Green, pull that cancer out. It's impossible. But what does Jesus command us? Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. He asks us as he leaves, you know what your ministry is going to be? Impossible things. And he commands us to go and do it. He commands us to go and do these things, the impossible. And you are made, church, you are made to be a vessel for impossible things. And it's funny because what does he do in that passage when he says, go to all of Israel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead. And in all these things, what does he say at the end? I will be with you. So what he will do, and this is what he's done right now in Sundown, Texas, to this house. He has assigned an impossible task. All of these things that the Lord has before us, the digging our heels in, the the fellowship, all these things that seem so difficult, so hard, and the real impossible thing that Sundown, Texas would look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. That is an impossible thing, an impossible thing. And he has said, this is for you to do. And I will be with you. Because the impossible things, when it's just me, are simply impossible. But the impossible things, when he is with me, all of it's possible. Everything is possible because I have the presence of God with me. He is with us. Church, our ministry to this community is to be full of impossible things. Stop looking at this community through the view of what you can do for it because you can't do enough. Can we just all receive that right now? To save our kids, to free them from the things that oppress them, to free those people that are oppressed, the parents, the grandparents, the the struggles, the turmoil, uh, the bondage that they exist in. Can we just receive this reality that you can't do anything about it? Within, you, within yourself, within your power, you can't fix a, a speck of it. You can't do it. Can we receive that really quick? Are you guys okay with that? This is supposed to be a freeing thing. Just believe it for yourself. I can't do it. So stop trying to do it. Because you can't do it. You can't save our kids. You can't remove this veil of their, uh, from their eyes that just makes them feel like they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You can't do it. It wasn't established in this natural realm. And in this natural realm, it will not be fixed. 
Because we do, we do not wage war against flesh and blood. But in the supernatural, against the spiritual principalities that would seek to destroy the kingdom of God. That, that is the fight that we fight. Church, look at what is impossible before us. And what becomes possible for sundown when we look at ministry is all that we cannot do. But all that he can do. The impossible is our ministry. And he says, when we embrace this, greater works than these will he reveal so that all may marvel. Jesus is saying, the things that you've seen in me, you'll see even greater things. Because what is Jesus meant to be? A stepping stone. We are made for an ever-increasing glory. We forget that so often. I wish we could remember that. We are made for an ever-increasing glory. But you can't do greater things until we have done the same. Right? Church, you got to look at how Jesus lived. We can't expect to see what, to, to recognize how Jesus lived and then just go do our own thing and just expect to see greater. We've got to receive the Spirit as Jesus did. We have to walk in obedience as Jesus did. We have to have the mind of Christ that reflects the Father, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us, not ourselves teach us, to see the gifts, to see circumstances, to see your family, to see this community for what they are through the eyes of the Spirit of God. And then you can do greater. Greater things come from that place. But if we can align our hearts with Jesus, if our hearts are not with him, if we are not saying yes to the Holy Spirit in this moment right now, you stop expecting to see greater things because all you're doing is trying to figure it out within yourself. Church, your ministry. There's not a lot of staff here at this church, but every one of you is involved in ministry in this city. You all have your own avenues of ministry, whether you like it or not, know it or not. Where you are right now, you have been placed there and you have been anointed. You know what anointing is? You know what it really means? We, we view anointing. How many people have ever like, been there when someone's anointed with oil or something like that? Right? We just do this little dab, right? A little cross on their forehead. Anointed. You know what it was in the Bible? They drenched them in oil. Because the anointing means to smear, to cover completely. And so when I say that you are anointed for the impossible in sundown Texas, there is not an ounce of your body, of your heart, of your mind that has not been completely and totally saturated with the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. There is not an ounce of you that has not been anointed for the impossible things in Sundown, Texas. And all we needed to do, all we need to do is say yes to the Holy Spirit and step into it. Recognizing that He is the teacher. He is the only one that can lead us into truth. Say yes to Him and step into Him and recognize that when you find yourself facing an impossible task, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Because ministry is defined by what we can't do but what he can. And he can do anything and everything. And that's exciting. 
That's really exciting, church, because now do you know what's just been made available to us in ministry in this community? If we say yes to this and recognize this, do you know what's been made available to us? Everything. Everything. Everything has been made available. The impossibilities of healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, and raising the dead. All of it. You are a vessel that carries it. When you say yes to the Holy Spirit and step into this belief and trust the reality that I am made for the impossible things. And this ministry that the Lord has called me into, I can't do it. Praise God, I can't do it. Only He can. So let's allow Him to do it. He brings this word, church. Why do you think He brings this word? Why do you think He told us last week to dig our heels in? Because the enemy is trying to get us to move. And why does He bring this word now? To tell you that ministry is all that you cannot do and it is defined by the impossible. You are made for the impossible. Why would He tell you that? Because He is calling us into impossible things now. Do not hesitate to step in to what is impossible before you. If your heart is His, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear and you say yes to the Holy Spirit, to His will and His leading, that it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me, this is His life, not my own. Mine's in the grave. Mine doesn't exist any longer. This is His life. When you can say yes to being and standing on that ground, you can step into the impossible. And I'm telling you right now, this community needs to see the impossible made possible by the presence of God, by the release of the Holy Spirit. And you are the ones that He has called to do it. You are anointed for it. It is you in this house, in this building, online and in here, those that will listen on Spotify or Apple Music, whatever. You have been anointed. You have been appointed. You have been ordained for such a time as this to be a minister of impossibilities. So let's step into it, church. Can we step into it, church? Like, how exciting is it to just sit there and think that I get to be a vessel for impossible things? We get to be in vessels for that. Now start dreaming. Imagine the b- most crazy thing that you could imagine, the biggest impossibility. That's for you. And the Lord will lead you to it. And He will do it before your very eyes. All He needs you to do is carry His presence to that place. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.